Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and today I'm joined by a man who is hoping for another Tom Izzo victory today, Ben O'Brien. How you doing today? Trevor, I'm fantastic, and come on, you know, like, I, I've been a Tom Izzo fan. I've been a Michigan State fan since day one. I, uh, I, I, I speak to and I represent all the Michigan State fans, all the Spartan fans that listen to this podcast. Um, huge fan. Obviously, they, you know, I've said this by, or I've said this a thousand times, by far the greatest basketball program in the state of Michigan. It's not even close, and I think hopefully today, recording this on Sunday, I think that Michigan State will show that when they uh, end Coach K's career here on this beautiful Sunday afternoon. So, um, yeah, go Sparty. That's all I can say at this moment. Yeah, you know, um, that game's going to be a really good one. We have a lot of good games today. I'm excited, yeah. Uh, here we are recording this on Sunday, so we got the first round. Uh, we got the first round out of the way. We're in the middle of the second round. You know, we, we watched all the Saturday games. We're going to talk about those, but we still have, you know, a, a, a big slate of games today that I am just so excited for. I mean, the tournament every year, obviously, March Madness, you know, the NCAA tournament, the best event in sports, in my opinion. Would you agree with that, Ben, or do you think there's a better event in sports? No, I I think it I think it's definitely the best in sports. And I was actually talking to someone yesterday. And I was I was explaining because I saw a tweet or something where it said the last however many years it's like the last five or six years the uh, the defending national champ hasn't made it to the second weekend. And I was explaining how just how hard it is to win this tournament. It, it's insanely hard to win this tournament. I mean, you have to have one. You have to have, you have to be good, obviously. And you have to have things go your way. But you also have to be lucky in terms of matchups because this well you know the big thing of this tournament is all about matchups and what draw you get and who's in your region and what teams are you going to have to go through um and that's what makes it so great is how unpredictable it is because it's so so hard to win it um so i yeah i agree i think it's absolutely the best the best um sporting event you could say in that first round of thursday and friday when you when you basically can switch from the last five minutes of one game watch the end of it go to the next five minutes of the next game for 12 hours straight I mean, there's nothing. Nothing beats it. it it's it's uh, phenomenal, and this year was no different. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's truly awesome. I mean, I've been like parked on my couch for the past few days. I yeah. mean, Thursday all well, I had to work Thursday, unfortunately. But you know, yeah. during my lunch break and stuff, I was sneaking in, and certainly, um, you know, after I got off work, and then Friday, I actually had the day off, which was awesome. Um, yeah. You know, pro pro Genius. tip, anyone, if you if you have PTO, you could always use it for that Friday. You could even yeah. use it Thursday, Thursday and Friday. That that would be uh, quite a lot. You know, I also do the same thing for the day after the Super Bowl. So, yeah, of course, it's, it's definitely yeah. good to have have those days off and just really enjoy all of the all of the madness. Um, so obviously, we're going to talk about that today. That's what we're going to start with. But we really have a jam packed podcast. I mean. Unfortunately, Brandon is not here. I really would have liked to, I really, and you know, usually we joke about, oh, you know, we're going to have a better podcast because Brandon's not here. But for the last part of the podcast, which is the NFL free agency, which has been insane, I really wish we had Brandon here to talk about all that because I know that he has a ton of thoughts. Um, oh, I'm sure he does. Yeah. yeah. But regardless, we're going to have a great podcast. We're going to uh, get started here with the tournament, then we'll move on to NBA and then finish with the free agency so we're just going to kind of go through uh region by region we'll start with the west region uh the top left and i, I kind of want i guess i want to start with uh just like gonzaga and how they have started off their tournament here because gonzaga they, they started off playing georgia state and they were really in like a nail biter for a while that game was close i think up until like halfway through the second half until Gonzaga really turned it on. And obviously the final score reflects a blowout. They beat Georgia State by 21 points. But 
that game was close for a while, you know, and, and Gonzaga, at least, you know, on the defensive end, they were having a little bit of struggles. Um, and then this most recent game, the game that I wanted to talk about a little bit more in depth against Memphis, uh, I mean, they were down, I think it was 11 points at halftime or something like that. And Memphis was kind of like kind of dominating in a way, you know, it was, it was really, it was kind of strange, not like that strange. Cause again, Memphis has a lot of really talented athletic players and, you know, preseason Memphis was like a top 15 team. So the fact that Memphis, you know, they had their fall at the beginning of the season, they had, you know, all of their struggles with their young team and have kind of risen to go on this run late in the season. And now we're competing with Gonzaga. It wasn't that surprising, but at the same time, you know, with Gonzaga, they're they're just like, they're one of those teams that you just never expect. You really never expect them to lose. You just like, oh, that's Gonzaga. Maybe they'll struggle, but they're gonna find a way to win. They're gonna, you know, they're they're like the best team or one of the best teams. And they did win, but they certainly struggled in a way that I didn't necessarily expect. Um, I mean, I mean, Chet Holmgren, he had a really good game. Uh, in against Georgia State, he had like an insane stat line. I think it was like 19 points, and I don't even know how many rebounds. I think he had like seven blocks and stuff like that. He struggled a little bit more in this one on the offensive end. Uh, you know, I think he's been struggling from three a little bit more. Um, you know, people compare him to like one of his NBA comps, is like Kristaps Porzingis. Uh, but Chet, Chet's kind of been struggling shooting the ball. Obviously, now defensively. He has a huge impact. You know, he affects a lot of shots at the rim. We saw it quite a few times, whether it was, and, you know, yes, like Jalen Duran got the best of him a couple times. But in large part, he was affecting shots, whether it was Duran or DeAndre Williams or, you know, one of the guards, whoever it was. He had a couple blocks. Chet Holmgren was affecting a lot of shots, and, and still you could see that defensive impact there. Um, and then obviously, you know, Memphis, they have this big lead. They're going on this run because – of the depth they have, you know, they play a lot of guys and they're just having such a strong performance. And then it all flipped in the beginning of the second half when Drew Timmy, Ben, your guy, I like the joke, your guy, Drew Timmy, Drew Timmy yeah. was insane in this game. I mean, Drew Timmy, he finished with 25 points, 14 rebounds. He went on a, a run there where he was, you know, doing, doing every little post move, you know, spin moves. He hit that nice little bank shot, you know, like the, it's basically like the Adam Sandler bank shot from grownups and drew Timmy. It's like, it's automatic. <laughs> it's automatic, it's yeah. automatic for drew Timmy, just like it was for Adam Sandler in the movie. Um, so drew Timmy had that going for him. And, uh, you know, I, I saw on Twitter, um, I, I think, it, I don't know if it was Bill Simmons or it was someone else, but they're like drew Timmy's basically like YMCA Dirk Nowitzki or something. And I, I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, because he's like that type of player, you know, he's not like, he yeah. doesn't seem like he's the most like athletic or, or best yeah. player, but he just has these moves uh, that he can get to. Um, and he has these certain, you know, go-to shots that, you know, when he's on, you know, it can be unstoppable. And we did see Memphis start to get in some foul trouble. Uh, Jalen Duran had four fouls early in the second. DeAndre Williams, another uh, forward on their team, got in some foul trouble. And that became a big problem for Memphis. And ultimately, I think you could argue maybe that's the reason they lost, uh, just because of that foul trouble. Uh, because once... Jalen Duran and DeAndre Williams went out. Now they're leaning on, uh, you know, Dandridge, who's like their, I guess, their second string center. But Dandridge, I mean, he was getting gas, like having to run up and down the floor. I mean, we know the pace that Gonzaga plays with, you know, having to run with guys like Timmy and Holmgren. He just couldn't keep up. And, 
Gonzaga started getting some wide open threes. You know, Chet Holmgren had a few looks. I think he missed a couple of them. And then you had Andrew Nemhard, who's a really good shooter, who who was knocking him down. And then at the end, when Memphis still, you know, was right in the thick of it, they had a chance to win. Uh, they had an opportunity to foul, you know, one of the other players because Gonzaga wasn't shooting very well from the free throw line. But they chose to foul Andrew Nemhard instead, who's like an 87% free throw shooter. And he, you know, knocked down the free throws. And then obviously the next possession again, they fouled him again and he uh, iced the game. So, you know, solid, you know, again, it's survive in advance and Gonzaga did that. So good for them. But, you know, Memphis, you got to feel like, although you played so well and you got to be happy that they played so well, but it's just like, uh, this is, this is the one that got away. You really could have had the win here if you're in Memphis. I I don't know. What what do you think about uh, how Gonzaga's played to start the tournament? Yeah, and Gonzaga is one of those teams where, I don't know, and I, I might be the only person in the world that, th- that thought this, but after last year and, and all the hype they got last year, and you know they were, they they were looking to be going defeated and go forty and zero or whatever, thirty five and zero, whatever it is, um, and they blew in the championship game. I for whatever reason coming into this tournament, I just I didn't have a whole lot of confidence in, in Gonzaga, and that sounds stupid to say because they're the number one overall seed. Um, but maybe it's because they didn't have nearly as much hype this year as last year. And yes, I know they still have Chen Holmgren, and they still have. Um, Nemhard and they still have Drew Timmy and all this, all this, all these players from last year. But I just wasn't as high on them this year as I was last year. So going into this year, this year, yes, I have them in my Final Four and um, I think one bracket. I might have them in a championship one bracket. But I did not look at them as a serious title contender in my opinion. Like I didn't even really consider them winning the championship. Um, and basically, I just think I was wrong. Like they're really good. And I should have known because I and we talked about on this podcast how good the West Coast Conference was this year, um, but for whatever reason I just didn't have a whole lot of faith in them. And even that first round, that first round game with Georgia State, for like thirty minutes or twenty five minutes of that game, it looked like Georgia might lose, or uh, not uh, Georgia, uh, Georgia State might win, Gonzaga might lose. Um, so after after that game, you know they end up winning by a lot. They go on a run in that game. Then, like you said, they they got out a win against Memphis. Now I'm looking at them and they got to face Arkansas in the Sweet Sixteen. I don't know about that game, but Gonzaga is really good, and I absolutely think Gonzaga is is a, you should consider them a favorite to win this tournament. Um, and again, I'm not saying that they weren't coming in. I just, in my eyes, I did not look at them as a serious threat to win the tournament. I I just naturally assumed that they weren't as good as last year. If they couldn't get it done last year, yes, I know it's a completely different tournament, all right. But if I looked at them as they couldn't get it done last year, maybe they're just not they're not fit for it. They're always going to be the bridesmaid. They're never going to be the bride. Maybe they're just not cut out to win a national championship. Um, and from what I've seen so far, I, I just think I was wrong. I think I was wrong. I left all my hype on them from last year. I, I didn't want to focus on them this year, but I think they deserve more attention than what I'm giving them because they've been fantastic. And yes, Drew Timmy's a stud, and I like him a lot, and he's fun to watch. Um, and you're right, Trevor. He is what I think people would refer to him as sneaky athletic. When you look at him, he's very like you know he's fundamental. He's not flashy. He can be, um, but he kind of just does. He does not do things. Um, the way a lot of players do in terms of their flashness, he kind of just catches it. He'll give you a nice fundamental hook shot or jump shot, turn around, dunk. Um, but he's fun to watch, and I think their whole team's fun to watch, and they absolutely have a chance to run the table and win this whole thing. Um, but I will say, I just referenced it earlier, they got to go through Arkansas, and I've been impressed with Arkansas because Arkansas is one of those teams where coming in, again, I was like, I don't know how I feel about them. And they had to gut out a win against Vermont that a lot of people thought they might lose. They had to gut out a game against New Mexico State. That was playing really, really well going into that game. Um, so Arkansas now has two wins, two close wins, and they have found twice now ways to win 
um, in this tournament, and that's all you got to do is you got to find ways to win. Everything else does not matter. It doesn't matter how much you win by. It doesn't matter how you win. You just got to find ways to win, survive, and advance. And Arkansas has been able to do that two times now. So I'm very, very excited for that next weekend matchup, or I guess it's probably next Thursday matchup, mm-hmm. Gonzaga-Arkansas, because two teams that have found in both games have found ways to win, and that's all that they have needed to do, and now they got to do it against one, adjust, one another. So um, this region has been interesting to say the least and i think those two teams have been very very impressive so far yeah i i I totally agree i mean arkansas has been uh very impressive and one one of the bigger surprises um for me uh i I guess one of the biggest first round upsets that i didn't see uh was new mexico state the team that arkansas just beat i mean like like i told you i mean i (laughs) number one i liked uconn which that was a bad take man that (laughs) Mm -hmm. did not age well uconn did, did not play well at all um, in that game. And New Mexico State, I mean, I looked through their schedule. I was looking at their games. I was looking at, like, okay, how's their conference? You know, how are they playing? How do they play to finish the season? And about three weeks ago, they lost to a team by the name of Chicago State that has about yeah, yeah. seven or eight wins on the entire season. Uh, yeah, they're they're one of the worst teams in Division One college basketball. Uh, and they beat New Mexico mm-hmm. State. So that was kind of the reason I was like, nah, I'm, I'm writing off uh, New Mexico State uh, to, to beat UConn after seeing that result there. Uh, but they, well, you, you know, you know, they the, surprised The annoying me. thing is, sorry, Trevor, real quick. The annoying thing is I was not high on UConn either, and I really wanted to pick New Mexico State. And I might have been one bracket. I don't remember. I put out like freaking three brackets, which I hate. I, I only like doing like max of two. Um, but I, I heard all this hype. There was all this hype about the Big East, about UConn, and people had UConn in their Elite Eight and even maybe Final Four. And I bought into the hype on UConn when I really I went against what I felt was right. I, I, I kind of fell into the popular opinion of UConn, and I'm very upset because they did not look great in that game. Um, and I really did not – I didn't have faith in them, but I let the media bias of the Big East and UConn persuade me into picking them in pretty much all my brackets, and now I'm upset about it. Yeah, the thing with UConn that was very shocking – and I'll, I'll just go quick because we have so many other games – but UConn is supposed to be one of the best like rebounding and I think specifically offensive rebounding teams in the country. New Mexico State out rebounded them. I, I think it was it was yeah. twenty six to twenty five. New Mexico State had one more rebound than them. I never in a million years would have expected that UConn would have gotten out rebounded by uh, New Mexico State. It's like the funny uh, the post game press conference with the uh, Baylor player. It's like how does Yale out rebound Baylor? Um, mm-hmm. I kind of felt that way here. It's like, how does New Mexico State out-rebound UConn? It was kind of shocking to me. Uh, but yeah, moving on. Um, you know, we got the Notre Dame upset. Notre Dame's, you know, they've been on fire. They played today against Texas Tech. Uh, they won their first four game, and now they shot really well against Alabama. They've been a fun story. Uh, you know, they're just a really smart team. It's going to be fun to watch that game later on. Uh, Texas Tech cruised to victory. Uh, Duke, you know, they cruised a pretty easy victory over Cal State Fullerton. And then we had Michigan State-Davidson. This is the last game I want to talk about in this region. Uh, you know, very close game throughout. Michigan State gets the win, 74-73. Um, you know, a couple couple questionable calls, I thought, in this one. But, you know, nevertheless, Michigan State, they get the win. You know, a, you know Izzo, you know, good for him. Uh, but I, 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 there, I think at the same time, there was a part of me that maybe wanted Davidson to win. I did pick Davidson to win, but uh, they don't get it done. Do you have any thoughts on this game, Ben? Yeah, it was, it was a good game. And, again, I think I said last week when we were – uh, previewing this bracket like Davidson's the type of team that absolutely could have won that game because they have experience 
Um, they're all like juniors and seniors. They got you know the player of the year in the A ten. They have a coach that's been there for thirty billion years or whatever. Um, they had every they had all the tools to win that game, and they absolutely could have won that game. They lost by one. It was close down the stretch, but again, Trevor, I remember you texted me that that one possession where they had like four fouls. They just couldn't get a stop when they needed to. Um, and they they put they put Michigan State on the line, and ultimately that was the difference in the game. And again, like you said, questionable calls definitely at some parts. Um, but Davidson, good team. Michigan State's also a good team. So they're I mean they are two good teams. One of them had to lose, uh, and Tom Izzo prevailed. And honestly, again, I think for a media or for a national public attention of, of this tournament, I think it's better to have Michigan State versus Duke in the second round um, than it would be maybe a Davidson and Michigan or Davidson and Duke in the second round. So. Um, again, shout out Tom Izzo, go Spartans, obviously the greatest coach of all time. That's, that's no secret and nobody is on this podcast to disagree with me. So I think that's just a fact at this point. Um, again, should be a fantastic game. I'm excited for it later today. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so as we move on to the East region now, and we said on this podcast, the East region, it's the best one. It's the most fun. Yeah. It's going to be wild mm-hmm. and it's been wild. I mean, we've already had yeah. both the one and the two seed lose, obviously, St. Peter's, you know, they're they're the biggest story, I think, probably in this tournament for, for a lot Absolutely. of people, you know, for a lot of, especially people that maybe don't watch college basketball all year. Um, I know, you know, a couple of my friends that, that I talk to about, like, St. Peter's is the thing they want to talk about uh, most, you know, yeah. so, which it's a fun story. It's good to see a 15 seed get to the, uh, the Sweet 16. This is the third time it's happened. Uh, FGC, uh, Florida Gulf Coast back in, I think, 2013, and then Oral Roberts last year. So back-to-back years, a 15 seed makes it to the Sweet 16. That's pretty wild. Uh, they beat Kentucky in overtime, 85-79. Uh, and then they beat Murray State, 70-60 to last night. And St. Peter's, you know, I don't know. It, it just seems like they have a lot of ball movement. They run really good offensive sets. They have great, you know, great coaching. They're unselfish. And, uh, you know, they play, they play good defense a lot of times without fouling, it seems. I mean, against Kentucky – uh, like, you know, they were able to go toe-to-toe with Kentucky. Yes, Oscar Sheboy had a really good game. But other than that, I mean, you know, Ty Ty Washington didn't play really well. Uh, Severe Wheeler, you know, he was turning the ball over, you know, late in the game, stuff like that. Their guards didn't really play that well. But you got to give a lot of credit to St. Peter's. I mean, because they're just, you know, again, this tournament, this is one of the things that the tournament's about. The fun stories, you know, the team that, you know, for a lot of people maybe you've never heard of, that comes in and and now you are like just rooting for them so much. It's like I've never you know like for some people they've never heard of St. Peter's and now they are like rooting, yelling at their TV screen like come on St. Peter's, let's go Peacocks, let's pull out the win. So that's one of the really yeah. fun things about this tournament and uh you know it's going to be interesting to see who they play next. Uh they're going to play the winner of Texas and Purdue. So that'll be fun. Uh what, what and I think yeah. I think Trevor in terms of St. Peter's um like you said, this is what the tournament's about because the best thing I saw after they beat Kentucky um, was a, a tweet, and it was basically – it showed a picture of Kentucky's arena, Rupp Arena, 20,000 seats, legendary arena. And then you, you swipe or whatever, the next picture, and it's a picture of St. Peter's Arena where I'm not kidding you, Trevor. If I was a high school basketball player and I walked into that arena, I would go, this arena sucks. Like, it'd be, it's a, it's, it'd be a bad high school. It's a bad high school gym. It's bad. It's not big. Okay, it looks like it hasn't been renovated or you know done anything to it in 40 years. Um, it's a garbage arena, but that's what it's all about, right? Like you get a chance, you get a school like St. Peter's that has like 3,000 kids in Jersey City, New Jersey, um, and they get the spotlight for a couple weeks. And you know they would they would never 
other other than this tournament, they would never get a chance to get to get to be in a spotlight and be on on, on a stage like this. So um, this is what it's all about, you know. And there's plenty of people that argue that there's too many bad teams in Division One, and there's too many bad teams that make this tournament. 64, 68 teams is a lot, and we have a lot of at-large bids that are not good. But this is why the tournament's so great because you get a chance to watch players from St. Peter's again that play in a gym that seats like 2,000 people. Um, that has wood bleachers that, you know, that literally they have to, like, fold in and fold out um, when they play to beat possibly the best basketball program of all time or a, a blue blood, a top five or six basketball program of all time um, and beat a coach that's making, like, $9 million a year. It's it's just awesome. It's so fun to watch. And, yeah, it's, it's impossible to root against them. Unless you're a Kentucky fan, there's no there's not one person that should be rooting against St. Peter's because they're a phenomenal watch. And every year we get a story like this, but – I mean, they're what only the third 15 seed to make the make the uh, Sweet 16 ever. So it's not like this is this is common, um, and it's definitely something special that's happening. And, and again, like you said, they're it's not like they're getting lucky. Like they look good, they look really good. They looked great against Kentucky, and they looked really really good against Murray State. So it's hard to believe you look at them. They've lost like 11 games this year, and it's like how did they lose 11 games this year? Um, because they have a lot of talent. They have an awesome coach, and like you said, they run great offensive sets. They play strong defense. They rebound really well. Um, and it, it's impressive. It's fun to watch. And I think, hinting at that game that they're waiting on today, I think Texas and Purdue, I think if Texas somehow beats Purdue, I think St. St. Peter's could absolutely beat Texas. Purdue's a little bit yeah. different story, tougher team. But I think if Texas can find a way to upset Purdue today, I think you could possibly see St. Peter's a 15 seed in the Elite Eight, which would be wild. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, the way that they've, based on the way they've played, yeah, they could totally be yeah. either of those teams. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. I did want to talk about, I, obviously, yes, Murray State lost now. I did want to talk about that first-round game, though, with them and San Fran because I think, and I don't know, there's been a ton of great games this tournament, but I think that was probably my favorite game of the tournament so far, to be honest. I mean, just the, it, you know, it was an overtime game. Murray State won at 92-87. Uh, it was a late game, but just the shot making of both of these teams. Um, I mean, for San Fran, you had um, uh, what, what's his name? His name's uh, Bouye. Uh, what's his first name? Jamari Bouye had uh, thirty six points, um, four of twelve. He shot four of twelve from three. Uh, just like he, he was making some ridiculous shots um, in at the end of regulation and in overtime. And then you would see on the other end, Murray State would come down and, you know, te- whether it was Tevin Brown or KJ Williams or whoever it was, you know, they then they would drive to the basket and get a layup to answer or they would get a three to answer. And it was just so back and forth throughout, you know, the end of regulation and in overtime. And at one point it felt like it was about to go to double overtime until Murray State did pull away a little bit. I, I guess a little bit there. But this game to me was probably the best game of the tournament so far. I just really enjoyed watching it. It was, and again, it was also the game I was probably looking forward to most, and it did not disappoint at all. So, just a great game. I mean, San Fran, uh, you know, they they were a really fun team. They had a great program. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see. I would I would hope to see. I hope that San Fran still a really good team next year. It looks like Bouye is a senior, um, and some of the other players that are really good are also seniors, but. You know, San Fran had a really good year, and so did Murray State. Obviously, two losses, uh, you know, until the St. Peter's game. So definitely got to celebrate their seasons. That was an incredible game. Um, Other than that, I mean, you had UCLA-Akron. Akron had UCLA on the ropes. They almost took it, uh, but UCLA hangs on there. St. Mary's destroys Indiana. And then uh, we have the UCLA-St. Mary's game, where UCLA, again, 
just looks really good. I mean, UCLA, I, I picked them in the to go to the Final Four. I still have, uh, you know, a pretty pretty high level of confidence in that pick, especially after Bay- yeah, Baylor lost yesterday. Um, I have more confidence. And North Carolina's playing very well, don't get me wrong. Um, but just UCLA is so balanced. Like, not only can they just get hot and, you know, start raining threes at any point, and, you know, they have great guard play, they have, they have good front court players, but they also showed yesterday – uh, that they can play some really solid defense as well, um, and and I think that's a that's a big thing for UCLA going forward. You know they play a North Carolina team that you know has been scoring the ball um, very well. You know to start the tournament here, so that's a good sign for UCLA. I, I just really like their team. You know uh, Tiger Campbell's really uh, improved as a point guard, and obviously you have Ju Zhang who hasn't been playing you know to the level that he played last year. Uh, to end the season in the tournament, but you know, at any moment, he it it could come back out. We could see it. Uh, obviously, Hami Hawkes. I think he he kind of tweaked his ankle toward the end of that St. Mary's game. Um, he he was on the bench though. He did finish on the bench. It seems like it's minor. I hope it is. Um, and then obviously Jules Bernard. So they've they've so many guys on this UCLA team, and I'm just excited. Uh, you know, to see where they go from here. That North Carolina UCLA game is going to be a really fun one. Yeah, absolutely. And again, North Carolina team coming off a win against Baylor, um, where they almost blew a twenty point lead. But in terms of that one, Trevor, I maybe again I could be in I could totally be in the minority here, but I expected North Carolina to win that game. And the annoying thing is my brackets don't reflect it, but I can promise you going into that game, I had faith in North Carolina. I really did, and I don't know if it was just based off of their dismantling of Marquette in the first round. Um, but North Carolina winning that game I do not think was a big surprise to a lot of people. I really do think a lot of people um, didn't have as much faith in Baylor as they may have last year. Um, and North Carolina playing really well. So that, yeah, North Carolina, UCLA, two blue bloods going at it. It's going to be an interesting game for sure. Yeah, that'll be a fun one. North Carolina turning it on at the right time. Uh, let's go to the South region. Um, in this one, I mean, I don't know. I guess the best game from this region was probably the Illinois-Chattanooga game, as I, yeah, I think. Absolutely. You know, that's probably the best yeah. game. Chattanooga had the lead for a while. Um, and it was interesting, you know, seeing Silvio D'Souza, uh, you know, former Kansas Jayhawk play in the Chattanooga uniform. That was kind of strange to me, um, but it was definitely interesting, you know. And then obviously going against Kofi Coburn, who just like watching Kofi Coburn. And yes, Silvio, like he's he's a big dude. He's, you know, I think 6'9", 6'10". Uh, but nevertheless, seeing Kofi Coburn go against a mid-major team is pretty it's pretty, you know, wild because he's obviously, uh, you know, so big and just a dominant uh, player. Um, but Illinois, you know, they really struggled. They struggled to shoot the ball. Um, it seemed like uh, they were struggling to get the ball to Kofi uh, because it seemed like at every turn, it's just like the obvious thing to do is just like just force feed Kofi. Just like get him the ball. He's going to get fouled or he's going to get a layup most of the time. And it seemed like, I don't know, they struggled to do that. Kofi didn't have the biggest game. Uh, Illinois, they do hang on, you know, Alfonso Plummer started to hit some threes, uh, and Chattanooga really kind of just like, uh, you know, it felt like they were trying to lose at the end. I mean, they were just making so many mistakes. Uh, a lot of their possessions just ended in horrible shot selection. Um, and Illinois does pull off the win. Uh, do you have any thoughts on this game, Ben? It's a tough one because Chattanooga had they really could have won that game and honestly like you said that they they probably should have won that game they had a great look at the end there I really thought that ball was going in um, would have been a huge upset and like, Chattanooga a team come in 
I mean, they won on a on a prayer buzzer beater to even make the tournament. I did I had no faith in them in this game. So, um, again, another team proving me wrong. Maybe what I'm just showing is that I, I don't know anything about college basketball, which hey, I did point out. I made a note last week that I had not watched as much this year as usually. But, um, again, Illinois back to the idea of you got to do what it takes to win, and you win in any any means necessary. Now today they're playing um, a team in Houston where we'll, we'll see what happens there. But Again, the, the nature of this beast is you survive in advance. you got to find any way to win, and Illinois was able to do that uh, on Friday. Yeah, the only other story uh, that I want to mention from this bracket is, is just Michigan. You know, Michigan's playing really well. They've made yes. it back to the Sweet 16 as an 11 seed. And, you know, Michigan, they came into this year with really high expectations. They were like a preseason top, I don't know, top six, top seven team. Um, I thought they were going to be really good. And they disappointed for, for most of the year. But here they are. You know, they're turning up. You got Hunter Dickinson and you got Eli Brooks. And, you know, uh, you know Caleb Houston, the freshman's playing better. And they're in the Sweet 16. I mean, they just beat a really good Tennessee team, you know. And Tennessee now, looking at their uh, tournament history, it's not, not the best. You know, they've had a few years now uh, re- in recent history mm-hmm. where they've been a very high seed. Um, and they've fallen pretty early. So, unfortunate for Tennessee there. Um, they're a really good team, but Michigan knocks them out. So that's going to be interesting. We have in play, uh, there is an Ohio State-Michigan matchup in play in the Sweet 16. Now, Ohio State has to beat Villanova today. I think that's going to be pretty difficult, but um, yeah. it's in play. Easier I mean, said than done. Yeah, easier said than done. But that would be quite a matchup to see uh, Ohio State and Michigan in the Sweet 16. Yeah, absolutely. And Juwan Howard on his revenge tour. Michigan's one of those teams, I feel like I said this last week, where they're so inconsistent to where I'm not shocked that they're in the Sweet 16, but at the same time, it's like I kind of am because they can be really good, but they can also be really, really bad. So it's, it was just a matter of what Michigan team are we going to get coming into this tournament. Clearly, we got the one um, that was projected by a lot of people preseason to win, the, win the championship, go to the Final Four. It seems like they're playing well at the right time, and they've obviously found ways to win two games now. Um, yeah, Ohio State-Michigan in Sweet 16 would be awesome, but... I, I don't know, Trevor, because it's not like it's not one of those things where you can just go, yeah, Ohio State, they got to beat Villanova. Um, that's, there's a lot that goes into beating Villanova. It's going to be tough for Ohio State to do that today. Yeah, that'll be a tough one. I mean, Michigan, similar to North Carolina, teams that, you know, had, I mean, North Carolina, I think, was like top 20 preseason, so not, not as high expectations mm-hmm. as Michigan. But two teams started off the year not as well, you know, disappointed. And then now here in the end, when, when everyone's counting them out, now they're playing really well it's almost like the it's almost like they're taking a page out of tom izzo's book a little bit of manufactured adversity i i would like to call it um here where they're they, they're saving it for march they're saving their best for march um but let's move on to the midwest uh the midwest the other really surprising upset that we had was richmond you know richmond beat iowa yeah. um and i mean i just i just never saw that coming that like honestly no, to me I, I don't know. Maybe this is a hot take. I think the Richmond upset is more surprising than the St. Peter's beating Kentucky. I don't know. Is that, is that like that's probably uh, a hot take? But like for me, when that, when I yeah, saw St. Pe- when I saw St. Peter's in a in a nail biter against Kentucky, I was just like, eh, I didn't really believe in Kentucky. So like, I'm not. I don't. Know, I am surprised, but I'm just like, I don't know. The tournament's crazy. Like, you know, think everything, anything can happen. With Richmond, Iowa, I had watched both of these teams. Um, Well, I watched Richmond, I guess, in the championship game. I watched Iowa a bunch this year. And I just never saw Richmond beating Iowa. It just didn't make sense. When I looked at it on paper, 
the scoring that Iowa you know is capable of. Looking at this Richmond team, I just never saw it. Uh, I mean, I mean, what do you think about that, Ben? Yeah. So again, last week, I mean, it's on the internet forever that I I said I'm pretty sure I remember saying that Richmond had no chance. This is yeah. I mean, I said there's got you got to pick a 12-5. I did not think in a million years that Richmond would be Iowa. Um, but looking back on it, Trevor, maybe I should have known. And I disagree with you. You're, I think your hot take's terrible because I heard somewhere this week, I heard that Fran McCaffrey, coach of Iowa, I don't think he's ever gotten to the Sweet 16 before. Iowa's always getting bounced in the first two rounds. Um, so maybe I should have saw that coming. But Iowa, I mean, coming off a Big Ten championship, I'm such a believer in you, if you're coming to the tournament hot, I'm going to hammer you in this tournament. I'm going to be high on you in this tournament. Virginia Tech let me down in that aspect as well. Um and I said Richmond had Richard, Richmond has the team to to make a run because typically when you're one of those mid-major teams, you need to have a veteran team, senior leaders, and they got senior leaders. They got fifth, six-year guys on that team. Um, but I still did not think they had a chance against Iowa. And ultimately, the reason why Richmond won is because Iowa had like the worst shooting performance of their year. I mean, they yeah. they shot like they were shooting thirty percent, forty percent from the field. They, they they shot terribly, and that was the difference in the game. And that's why Richmond was able to advance. So Trevor, I agree with you in terms of. I mean, I sat right here last last Monday after Selection Sunday, and I said Richmond has absolutely no shot. Not in a million years did I even did I even consider putting Iowa or putting Richmond to advance in that matchup. So that was a huge shock to me, and I think a lot of people as well. Yeah, I think my reasoning for the hot take is that like I have like barely watched St. Peter's, so I was like, I don't know, they could be yeah. really good. <laughs> That's true. And I, yeah. I I didn't have a lot of faith in Kentucky in general. And then also, mm-hmm. like, the fact that I had just watched Richmond and seen them play, and I had also been watching Iowa, it just it felt like I have more evidence from watching these teams play to know that there's no way Richmond's beating Iowa. But, hey, they did. That's that's the tournament. Um, they do. Yep. They did go on to get destroyed by Providence, um, you know, which Providence played one of the best games of their life, um, which good for them. Good for Ed Coley. Good for yeah. Providence. They're in the Sweet 16. They've taken a lot of heat this year, so good for them at getting to the Sweet yeah, 16. Yeah, they have. I mean, I, I, I was a doubter. I picked against them. I, picked, I was too. I picked I the Jackrabbits. Um, so, oh, I, wow. you know, I, I should I should apologize. Sorry, Providence, that I doubted you. Yeah. Um, uh, but moving on from that, um, you know, we had uh, Wisconsin. They get by Colgate. To, uh, close matchup throughout. Colgate really gave him a run. Uh, Nelly Cummings, former Falcon, oh, BG. Yeah. He's now, you know, kind of shining in the in the tournament. It's good for him. It's yeah. unfortunate that BG hasn't been in the tournament. It sucks, but, yeah, uh, we're not gonna talk about you it. know, nevertheless – uh, Wisconsin does get the win. They do pull it out. Um, I'm a little, I don't know. Um, I picked Wisconsin in the final four in one of my, uh, two brackets. I'm not feeling as great about that after that game. We'll see against Iowa state today, but I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not feeling as great about my Wisconsin pick necessarily right now. Um, and then Iowa state, one of my favorite, uh, players in college basketball, Tyrese Hunter, uh, he has one probably the best game of his season. Uh, he has kind of like the the dagger three pointer there for Iowa State over LSU. Great game for him. A good win for Iowa State. That should be a really fun one today. Iowa State Wisconsin can't wait for that. And then we had Auburn. Uh, they take care of business against Jacksonville State. And then Miami they get by USC. USC had the attempt at the buzzer beater, but the bank shot did not go in. Um, so, do you have any do you have any thoughts on that game? I, I know you were watching. I actually didn't watch quite as much of that USC Miami game. Well, I'll tell you, and I picked Miami. I think all my brackets to win that game. Um, and again, maybe because Pac twelve bias, I'm not 
I guess anti-bias. I, I haven't watched a whole lot of Pac-12 basketball. I, I didn't really know anything about USC, and I, I, I'm I'm still very high on Miami. I am. I think they had a good showing in the ACC tournament. Um, I like that team a lot. So I didn't even think the game would be that close. And the fact that USC almost had a chance to win it, and <laughs> they chucked up a garbage half court shot at the end, and they almost banked in. Um, it was a really fun game to watch. Really, really fun game to watch. It was a physical game. Um, a lot of big bodies down low. Uh, but again, that's that's what March is all about, and that's what this tournament's all about: are those close finishes and those almost, those almost buzzer beaters, those those you know those moments of glory that were so close that you're going to think about for the rest of your life. If I was just an inch to the left or an inch to the right, it would have gone in. Um, I will say, Trevor, though, I don't, I'm not going to say I'm, I'm predicting it, but I like Miami against Auburn. I like that matchup. I have questions about Auburn. I have all year. Um, they've shown how great they can be, but they've also had time or, you know, games where they've come out flat. So if they, if they come out flat against Miami today, I really think Miami has a chance of winning this game. And I think in one bracket, I might've picked Miami over Auburn. Again, I don't want to predict it, but I'm saying I would not be super shocked if that were to happen. I'm very, very high on this Miami team. Um, earlier this year, I was not, I thought they looked terrible earlier this year. I think they've gotten a lot better just in the last couple months as the season has gone on. Jim Laranega, pride and joy of Bowling Green, Ohio, for like, I don't know, 10 years or something when he used to coach at BG. Um, I like this Miami team a lot. I, I'm excited to watch them against Auburn, and I'm hoping and I'm praying that it's a close game and that Auburn's not going to make me look really stupid today. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'll pick Auburn to win, but I think it'll be a really fun one. I, I do agree. I think Miami can really give them a run for the money. So I'm excited for that game. I'm excited for a lot of these games today. Um, but we, I mean, we've, we've talked a ton about college basketball. I could probably talk another hour about it, to be honest. Absolutely. Um, yeah, but, <laughs> but we have some other stuff again, jam packed podcast. So, uh, we're going to, we're going to move on to the NBA here, unless you have anything else to say, Ben. No, let's, let's do it. Let's, let's right. move on to the NBA. All right. So a couple things just quickly I wanted to mention because there's, there's, again, there's, there's so much stuff going on in, in every sport. Right. But wanted to, yeah. wanted to mention some things in the NBA, uh, Steph Curry, did go down with an injury. This sucks. Injuries suck. Just let's ban them. Let's let's make a petition. <laughs> All injuries in sports yeah. in, in general. Let's get rid of injuries. Uh, but Steph Curry, um, he goes down, suffers an injury on Wednesday uh, after colliding with Marcus Smart during a game. Um, you know, so it's it's you know it's reported to be a sprained right foot. They say he's out indefinitely. Um, now there was a quote from Steve Kerr. Uh, he said he kind of cho- took the optimistic approach, I guess. He said the silver lining is that Steph will get a break before the playoffs come. Um, assuming everything goes well, he'll be ready to roll. As far as the team is concerned, it will give us an opportunity to learn how to execute without him, which will come in handy during those minutes during the playoffs when he's off the floor. So Steve Kerr, obviously, you know, he's been a little optimistic about it. But this, I'm just, I'm worried about this. I don't like this. And not that I'm, I'm not a Warriors fan, obviously. But regardless, you know, I don't like to see stars out. I want to see all of the stars on the court playing. Um, so this is unfortunate. I really hope that he is back come playoff time. Uh, it would suck if not. And obviously it would kill any shot the Warriors have at a championship run, certainly. Um, they already had Draymond, who ha- has just came back, and it seemed like all right, Draymond's finally coming back now. Clay's back. We're finally gonna get everyone back together, but no, we, we're not, because now Steph's out. It, it's just so unfortunate because we had Clay out for so long, 
And then we got Clay back, but Draymond went down like a little bit before that. And now that Draymond and Clay are playing together, now steps down. So it's like, come on, can we can we just get all of them together uh, again? You know, it really sucks. Uh, we'll see, but you know, it, it's not great. You know, you certainly want your team to have some chemistry. Um, you know, in the in that ramp up portion, you know, here in late March, early April, where the team gets to play together, you get the you know, you have everyone at your disposal if you're a coach, you know, Steve Kerr, and you could, you know, find the best lineups, the best closing lineups for different playoff matchups. So that's unfortunate for the Warriors. And here, as we kind of transition into, you know, the main thing I want to talk about, which is the standings in general, um, you know, the Warriors, as we said, you know, not, not looking as great. And now they have fallen to the three seed. Uh, Memphis has passed them. Uh, for the three seed in the West. Uh, Memphis, just, you know, such a fun team. I mean, we were talking about before the podcast, outside of, I mean, the Miami Heat are my favorite team, but outside of watching the Heat, the Memphis Grizzlies are my favorite team to watch. John Morant is my favorite player to watch in the NBA. And here they are. They are the two seed, a half game ahead of Golden State. And it looks like they will get the two seed, uh, which is going to be really good for them, Um, especially when you look at kind of how the West shakes out. You have like Utah, Dallas, and Denver uh, for the four through six seeds, and then you have Minnesota as the seven seed. Which you know Minnesota has been playing really well, and they're only a half game back from Denver, so they could totally get the six seed, I guess, in theory. But I think having the two seed is certainly a little bit of an advantage here for Memphis if they retain it, because you know I, I think I'd rather play Minnesota. Um, as opposed to a Denver, a Dallas, or a Utah, you know, just th- those teams are all yeah. a little more proven. Certainly, Utah and Denver are more proven than Dallas. At least they've been in the playoffs in the past couple of years than Minnesota is. So, if I'm Memphis, I'd rather play Minnesota uh, in that series. And right now, that would be the matchup. Now, the, obviously, there is the play-in. You know, we have Minnesota at the seven, and then we have the Clippers at the eight, the Lakers at the nine. The Pelicans at the 10, which it's funny because in the East, the the race is very close in the play-in. You know, it's all these teams are within a couple games of each other. In the West, Minnesota uh, is 42-30. and 30. The Lakers, who are the 9 seed, are, it looks like, 11 and a half games back from Minnesota. The Lakers are 30-41, and 41, and then the Pelicans are 29-41, and 41, so they're 12 games back from the Timberwolves. So, I mean, that would be wild if... You know, one of these teams got in and, like, the Timberwolves lost two straight and didn't get in after having such a great regular season. I think that would be a little disappointing. Um, you know, that's a little bit of the reality of the play-in. But as far as the West standings go here, um, you know, if everything goes right for Phoenix, if Chris Paul comes back healthy, they're the favorite. They should be the favorite, and I think they will win the West. I still think they're going to win the championship. Um, I, I've thought that for a couple months now. I think the Phoenix Suns will win the championship. I think they're the best team. And here without Chris Paul, they still have been playing really well. They've won four straight. Uh, they're 8-2 and two in their last 10. Devin Booker is continuing to play very well. DeAndre 8, Mikal Bridges, they just have such a solid team, and I would pick them uh, to win it all. Now Memphis, they're, they're kind of they're looming here. They're playing really well. And I think Utah even uh, you know has a shot here. A lot of people are counting out Utah. I wouldn't completely count them out just because of how well Donovan Mitchell has played 
in the playoffs the last couple years. Um, Donovan Mitchell is one of my favorite players in the NBA. He's incredible um, as an offensive force, and I, I just would not count out Utah with him, with you know Conley and, and obviously Rudy Gobert's defensive uh, prowess in the paint. Would not count them out. And then Dallas is really interesting just because Luka is going on this tear now. Luka, you know, he's not going to win MVP because I think those top three guys are so locked in in Embiid, Jokic, and Giannis. But Luka now, he might be the number four guy. I mean, he's having an incredible season here. I mean, especially this run on as of late in Dallas. They've been playing very well. So that's going to be fun to see. Um, and then as we move to the East, just quickly, um, obviously it continues to be a really fun race in the East. It looks like the Miami Heat are probably going to get the one seed. Uh, they're now three games up on both Philly and Milwaukee. So I am I'm happy about that. I'm, I, I do want to be the one seed. Now, I am a little worried because Brooklyn is currently the eight, um, and that could be a potential first-round matchup. So I don't, <laughs> I wouldn't prefer the Heat to play the Nets. If I mean, if we have to, we have to. It is what it is. But I'd prefer not to face uh, Brooklyn because, you know, we've saw Brooklyn lately when they have just Kevin Durant and Kyrie not even putting Simmons in the equation and, and – I have no idea what's going to happen with Simmons. There's been more stuff with like his back that has come out recently. Uh, it's not a guarantee that Simmons is going to return at all this season. But just having Durant and Kyrie and Seth Curry and you know some of these other guys um, that they have, they're still very dangerous. They're still a very good team. We saw that last week in a game that I watched where they pretty much destroyed the Philadelphia 76ers. I mean, pretty easily. That game was over a week now ago, but we never talked about it. So I just wanted to mention that. Uh, Brooklyn looks really good. They're very dangerous. And, and here's what I'll say about the East. So, so in the West, I think it's Phoenix. I think it's Phoenix is probably to lose it. I mean, I guess in theory, if Golden State gets everyone back, then sure, they can contend. They can have a shot. But to me, there's too many moving parts for that to happen. So I think Phoenix is... Uh, Phoenix is just, uh, you know, the best bet. In the East, what I would say is the safest team to bet on is the Milwaukee Bucks. They're the safest team. Giannis is, you know, you could argue if he's the best player in the world or not. They're the safest team. Uh, you know, they're going on a little bit of a run here. They're 8-2 and two in their last 10. Um, but the team with the most potential, the team with the highest ceiling, is the Brooklyn Nets. Because even just having KD and Kyrie is such an incredible combination of scoring to watch, and Kevin Durant is still the best player in the world. If they do get everyone together, um, like I mean, I don't know about Simmons, but they have the highest ceiling, and I think they could beat Milwaukee, Philly. or I mean, certainly I think they could beat Philly. They've shown that. Uh, but they could even beat Milwaukee or Miami. So that'll be interesting to see. Uh, Boston's another team that now is making their case as a contender. Um, Boston's been very good. Tatum's been insane lately. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, can they get that third scoring option, I think, for them. Defensively, they've been very good. Tatum's been great. Brown, you know, he's had some health issues here and there, but really good offensive player as well. Can they get a third guy? Can Marcus Smart be consistent scoring the ball, creating for others in the playoffs? Or can they get, you know, Derek White consistently on the offensive end? And then you have Chicago. They've been reeling a little bit. It's really unfortunate for Chicago. Uh, you know, I hope they can get everyone back. They did get Caruso back, although he's not 100%, I don't think, and they're supposed to get Patrick Williams back. But it's just, uh, it's looking tough for Chicago. I don't really see a path here as a contender. And then you have Cleveland. 
who's been a very fun team. They've been very solid here. They're holding on to the sixth seed, but it's not their year. You know, Cleveland's a really young team. No. They have they have years in the future uh, to work toward that, but that's not where they are now. So if I'm ranking contenders in the East, um, it's really like two separate conversations. It's like, and my gut instinct says Milwaukee one, Brooklyn two, Miami three, Philly four, and then Boston five. Um, but then like Brooklyn does have the highest ceiling. So it's, it's really tough, but that's my gut. My gut is Milwaukee, um, will win it. And, and that's kind of would set up a rematch of Bucks Suns. That's kind of been my pick for a couple of months now. Um, obviously at the beginning of the year, I, I, I was thinking Nets and potentially Lakers. That was way wrong. But now I've, you know, for the past few months here, I've settled on, uh, Bucks Suns. What, what do you think about that, Ben? Uh, do do you have any questions or like or do you how do you feel about that Bucks Suns prediction? Well, Bucks Suns prediction I think would be phenomenal. Anytime you get you can get a rematch like that, I think it's great for the NBA. It's great for TV standings. Um, and I I think if that game were to be played right now, if that series were to be played right now, I think the Suns would be the favorite. Um, I guess uh, let me let me let's say that Chris Paul's healthy. If Chris Paul's healthy, I think the Suns would be the favorite. Um, because like you said earlier, the the Suns have found ways to win even without Chris Paul. Right, and if the regular season is going to tell us anything, they seem like they're the best team in the NBA. Um, and yes, the Milwaukee Bucks still have talent. Okay, they still absolutely have talent. They're playing well. They're eight, eight and two in their last ten games. Okay, um, but I think I think a Buck Bucks Suns matchup would be awesome. It'd be great to watch again. Giannis go against players like Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Um, great for the NBA, uh, and I, I obviously would be very. You know, super excited to watch it because Phoenix Suns have kind of been the team all year that it's like it's this is theirs to this is theirs to lose. It's theirs to lose. They've been in the driver's seat pretty much since the first week of the NBA uh, season in the West, um, and now it's just a matter of what which of those teams in the West can try to dethrone the Phoenix Suns. The, th- the Phoenix Suns are sitting at the top right now, um, and the other teams are just trying to get them off of that off of that hill, right off of that perch. Okay, and the Warriors, if they're fully healthy, can absolutely do it. Memphis Grizzlies, hot team, trendy team to pick. I don't know if they can do it. We'll see. We'll find out. As of right now, I would say, yeah, they have a shot. They're the, sec- they're the number two seed um, in the West. But the Phoenix Suns, I think, are the story of the NBA at this point. This is their season, um, and this is their championship to lose, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I, I mean, it's going to be really fun to finish this season. Obviously, we'll talk a lot more about the NBA in the coming weeks. Uh, last thing, just to mention quickly, my small baller of the week uh, is Sadiq Bey. He had 51 points um, in the game during the week. For the Pistons, a lot of a lot of you know fifty point performances. We had a sixty point performance from Kyrie uh, Towns. I think had a sixty point performance. A lot of high scoring performances lately uh, in the NBA, which has been pretty nuts. Uh, but last thing here we have here, obviously, is NFL free agency. I mean, where, where do we even start, Ben? Where, where do we even start? Do you want to start with the Sean Watson trade? Do you want to start with Rogers? Like, where, where do you want to start? I think we should do this. I think we should start. With the freaking AFC West, because the AFC West is the craziest thing I think I've ever seen in my life. The AFC West is absolutely loaded. Okay, it is absolutely loaded. You have the Chiefs, the Chargers, the the what, the Broncos, and the Raiders, and all four of them are loading up on talent. It is ridiculous. It is an arms race. They are absolutely loading up on talent. It's one of those things where, yes, I think the Chiefs are still going to be the favorite. Okay, but the Chargers have made a lot of steps forward. The Broncos, we're sitting there with the Broncos last year going, they have a fantastic defense. They have an awesome secondary in their defense last year. The issue was Teddy Bridgewater, quarterback, is kind of holding them back. Okay, now all of a sudden, what do they do? They go out and get Russell Westbrook. 
or not Russell Westbrook, excuse me, that'd be even probably worse. <laughs> they go out and get Russell Wilson, um, and they completely kind of flip the narrative of of their of their team the last couple of years, which is they're, they're just a couple away. They need a better offense. They have gotten a piece that they so desperately needed in that conference. Um, and then again, like I said, with with the uh, the Chargers, you get, Chargers are getting J.C. Jackson, right? Pro Bowl uh, DB. Okay, uh, they're getting. Um, What's his face? Uh, Khalil Mack, right? Yeah. Pro Bowl defensive lineman. The Chargers are absolutely loading up as well. And then not to mention, oh, don't forget about the Raiders. They just happened to, to, to get some guy named Devontae Adams. All right, probably the best wide receiver in the NFL at the moment. Okay, so this division is absolutely insane. Um, the AFC West is, is insane. AFC is absolutely ridiculous. As a Bengals fan and as a team, as a fan of the team that just won the AFC, the AFC conference last year, um, I'm not too happy about the path that my Cincinnati Bengals are going to have to get get through if they want to get to the Super Bowl again because it is brutal and I'm happy they're not in the AFC West but the AFC in general is absolutely insane yeah absolutely I mean just (laughs) all the sightings I mean the AFC West it seems like made a lot of the moves they were they were involved in a lot of the action you already mentioned the J the what the Chargers did some of their moves uh, the Broncos, in addition to getting Russell Wilson, they also get edge rusher Randy Gregory. You know, another good move for them. Uh, that'll be huge. Uh, the Chiefs, not a ton of moves from the Chiefs. They did get Juju Smith-Schuster, which I, I don't know. I don't even know if that's a positive move necessarily, uh, but they did yeah, make a move know. there. But the Raiders, the Raiders and Chargers both, and, I mean, and the Broncos, all three of them, very active. The Broncos... Uh, or I mean, not the Broncos. The Raiders got Chandler Jones, who is one of my favorite players, just of all time in general. I love Chandler Jones. I was hoping maybe he could come back to the Patriots, you know, reunite, uh, you know, with Bill Belichick. That would have been fun, but doesn't happen because you know we probably didn't want to pay the money, right? But uh, three-year, fifty-one mil contract for the Raiders. I, I mean, all three, all four of these teams are going to be very good, and honestly, like. I mean, yes, the Chiefs, they, uh, you know, I'm not, I don't want to sit here and like sit up here and try to doubt the Chiefs, but with all three of these teams getting better, like, could we see a scenario where the Chiefs kind of fall back a little bit? You know, maybe that I don't, I don't want to say they missed the playoffs, but I mean, I'm just saying, like, you got the Broncos making these moves that yeah. you got really good defensive players, and same with the Raiders now, and you got the Chargers here in the mix, and Herberts, you know, he's young really good quarterback it's just I don't know it's just a question you know uh, you know once we get the preseason I'll probably pick the Chiefs to win the division if I'm if I'm being totally honest but I'm just like questioning they might they might miss the playoffs because if all of these teams are kind of jockeying for position they got to play each other twice a year they're all going to be they could all be right around that like 9-10 win mark right and I mean, we, we've never seen all four teams win the division. I certainly don't believe it'll happen. I, I don't know if it'll ever happen. You know, I know Brandon. We, I've had this conversation with Brandon a couple of times. Um, but I don't know. What, what do you think about, I guess, the Chiefs? Is there more uncertainty now uh, with you yeah. know, the other three teams making moves? So I, I think the story of the AFC West, obviously, it, it's, it's loaded. But the story of this free agency has been that I think those three teams that have kind of been – staring up the Chiefs for the last few years, pretty much since Patrick Mahomes took over. I think the Chargers, the Raiders, and the Broncos have definitely shortened that gap, right? And they, they've limited that space between the Chiefs and everyone else in that division, okay? Because, yes, the Raiders have, have had flashes of, of greatness, I guess, the last couple of years. And, yes, the Chargers, Justin Herbert, they've shown that they're a good team. 
but it's still been the Chiefs' division for the last four four years or so, right? And I think these moves have shown us that that gap is not nearly as big as it once was. I do not think that you're going to see every single expert pick the Chiefs to win the AFC West like we have the last couple years, okay? Because those teams have done exactly what they needed to do. They've addressed their weaknesses, and they've said, okay, the first thing we need to do, yes, obviously winning a Super Bowl is great, okay? But if you can win this AFC West, you have a good chance to win the Super Bowl because it's definitely the best division in football this coming year. Okay, so those other three teams have absolutely kind of pulled the Chiefs back into their into their reach to where the Chiefs are not some insane team that that nobody has a chance of beating. There's definitely um, a reality to the idea of another team other than the Chiefs winning that division, which is exciting. And again, it's great for football. And I'm super excited to watch these teams play each other twice a year. They're going to beat up on each other. It's going to be insane. Um and honestly, it might be one of those things where if you're a fan of one of those teams and you're not playing somebody from the AFC West, you're not playing a divisional game that week, it's like, oh, it's like an off week. Okay, you can just watch and relax and not have to worry about it because, I mean, every single divisional game that you're going to play in that conference is going to be a dogfight. It's going to be a battle. It's going to be brutal. It's going to be tough. And it's going to be really, really hard to win that division. Yeah, absolutely. Um, see, that division, I mean, <laughs> it's going to be very, very fun. Uh, we'll see how that shakes up. Obviously, you know, got quite a few months till the NFL season starts. Uh, but next, so let's move on to the Sean Watson trade, right? Because let's do it. The let's Browns, do the Sean Watson thing. Let's do it. Because the Browns, you know, and, and we can say what we will about like, oh, I, I, I'm not really sure if I'd necessarily want Sean Watson on my team. I don't know. But just from a football standpoint, I mean, he's the best quarterback the Browns have ever had of all, of all time. They, they've never had a quarterback. It's crazy. And he's been on their Easy, team for like three days. Easily. It's not even close. Yeah. The Browns have had a quarter. They've never had a quarterback that's even close to as good as Deshaun Watson is. It's it's not even a comparison. He's way better than Baker Mayfield. He's way better than, I don't even know who, I don't even know who of their other quarterbacks that they've had. You know, Tim, they had Tim Couch and they had Bernie Kosar and I don't know. But he, Deshaun Watson's way better than those guys. So that's going to be interesting. They did give up quite a lot. I mean, a $230 million contract for five years, that's insane. I mean, an insane deal, and I know Brandon's going to have a lot to say about this next week, but it's pretty crazy, pretty crazy contract. They give up five picks. I want to say it was three. Um, I don't even see the details on this article, but I think it was three first-rounders. Let's see. And then they also have, yeah, so three first-rounders, a uh, 2023 third in a 2024 fourth round pick. So quite a lot of picks. Um, I think this exceeds what the Wilson deal was. Um, so pretty crazy there. Uh, but for the Browns, it's worth it. I mean, it's from a football standpoint, like it's worth it to give up all those picks because you got to go all in at some point. You know, we saw it pay off for the Rams last year. And for the Browns now, you have this talent. You have this awesome offensive line. You know, they, they just got Amari Cooper, you know, a really good wide receiver. They have, you know, two of the best running backs in the league. They have this, you know, defense that's p pretty pretty solid, I would say. It's not, you know, it's pretty good. It's not one of the best defenses, but it's a pretty decent defense, right? So with all this talent mm -hmm. that they have now, the Browns, rightfully so, should be going all in uh, to try to win a Super Bowl because with Baker Mayfield, we, I mean, we, we talked about it honestly. You don't need to – I don't even need to talk about it anymore, but they weren't winning a Super Bowl with him, in my opinion. No. So – you know, for them to go all in a quarterback, I think it was the right move, and it it gives them a real shot here. Like it, it gives them a very real shot um, at a Super Bowl. It does, and you know the Browns they have such a uh, a horrible history that it's like you know they're going to be the jokes about 
oh, you know, Watson made a terrible move because now he's not going to be as good. You know, it's it's the curse of the Browns and all that stuff. Um, but this, I mean, the Browns have to be taken seriously. They're certainly in the mix, I think, here as a Super Bowl contender. I think they have to be. This is, So this is what, in my opinion, this is what the Deshaun Watson trade did for the Browns. It threw out any room that Browns fans or anybody has in, in regards to the Browns. It threw out any excuses that you may have because here's the narrative for the browns the last couple years two years ago right 2020 good team okay but they're young they're on the come up okay baker's still young he, he played well in 2020 he didn't play great but he was he played well he was a good quarterback in 2020 his stats were good they weren't great but they were good okay and coming into last year 2021 the, the idea was this is it right this is it we have the pieces they have the experience of the playoff experience that they played the chiefs the year before okay they have the experience this is the time to do it and the excuse last year was Baker's hurt, right? Baker's hurt. And then it turned into eventually just kind of being, well, is Baker the guy? We're, we're a quarterback away from, from really being a serious contender for a Super Bowl, okay? That excuse is gone. You can no longer rely on, oh, we don't have a quarterback or, oh, Baker's hurt. That excuse, is no, that excuse doesn't exist anymore, okay? Going into the year 2022, the Browns have everything that they claimed a year ago they needed to win a Super Bowl, or to at least be a contender, to win an AFC championship or get to an AFC championship game, okay? They have all those pieces there. They have a great defense. They have a good offensive line. They have fantastic running backs, okay? They have a top whatever, whatever you want to call Amari Cooper, top 10 receiver if you want to, okay? And not to mention, like you said, they have a 26-year-old quarterback that, that hasn't played a snap, has probably been in, been in their facility one time, and he's already the best quarterback they've ever had, okay? So the Browns have absolutely no excuse going into this season, okay? And if I hear, if I if we get to week five or week 10 and I hear all these excuses from Browns fans, I'm going to be super pissed off. I'm going to be livid, okay? Because I had to listen to a whole year of excuses from Browns fans about why this year should have been great, but it wasn't, all right? You have Deshaun Watson. You have a young quarterback. You have a young core. You have pro bowlers all around. You have a, a good coach that Browns fans love, okay? There are no excuses for Browns this year. I'm excited, and I want to see how they do, but there are no excuses. If, if they do not perform this year, then you got to take a step back and you got to really evaluate if it's something bigger than the players on the field because they have all the talent and all the ability in the world to be a successful and to be a good team for next year. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, and they were able to resign a lot of those guys. Like, I think, I mean, Landry, he, you know, he's going to be leaving, but they got Amari Cooper, who objectively is a better, more talented wide receiver than, I mean, I love Jarvis, but Amari Cooper objectively is a better wide receiver, I would say. Um, so they, they pretty much have all of their guys back. And, you know, we know the history with running backs, like after a few years, but I don't know, they're still both pretty young. Like they should have at least a couple more really good years. I would, I would think, I could be wrong about that. Maybe they won't have as good of a year, but I would think that, I mean, well, actually they won't because the Browns will probably be more, more pass-heavy, right? But they should yeah. still be really good. Um, now, can the Browns add more pieces? Maybe not because mm -hmm. this mass this deal was massive. You know, it's a lot of money. Um, but with the roster they have, they're a contender. They're in the mix, and, and, and that's what you want. You know, that's what the Rams did last year, obviously. So we'll see. It's going to be certainly very interesting uh, to see. And last thing, real happens. quick, Trevor, I just want real quick. Uh, to, to, to kind of end this discussion, this Deshaun Watson discussion, I just want to take a step back and let's look because again, bias here, close to my heart. Let's look at the quarterbacks in the AFC in the AFC North real quick, okay? Just their ages, real quick. You got Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, twenty five years years old, okay? You got Deshaun Watson, twenty six years old, and now you got some guy named Mitch Trubisky signing with the Steelers, who's twenty seven years old. The best okay, one. Of the all oldest of all quarterback. Just kidding. Yes, clearly. <laughs> 
All right, clearly there's an imposter among that group, all right? But the oldest quarterback in the AFC North is 27 years old, a guy that graduated high school in like 2012. He got drafted in 2017. He is the veteran of that group. He is the oldest quarterback of that group. Insane. If, if, the, if the Steelers want to stick with, with Mitch Trubisky for the next 10 years, whatever, that's fine. But the other three teams, at least from what we've seen so far, it seems like they got a quarterback that they can stick with for the next 10 years if they really want to. Um, insane. Insane. And again, it hurts me, and I don't like that Deshaun Watson went to the Browns because that's a threat to my Bengals. But it's an insane division with a lot of young talent that could be a very competitive division for a long time. Yeah. So, yeah, and Mitch, uh, shout out to Mentor High School. Uh, Mentor legend there in Mitch Trubisky beat my yes. high school in the, in the high school playoffs and back in 2012. Uh, you know, that was a freezing cold playoff game in October that, that I think Mitch lit us up for like 45 points. But regardless, um, he's now in the NFL and he's, you know, I mean, being in the NFL is amazing, but he's a little bit of a mediocre quarterback when we talk about the NFL. Um, but kind of, so, so moving forward, we haven't even mentioned uh, Aaron Rodgers staying in Green Bay. We haven't even talked about yeah, that Yeah, it's once. been awesome because um, everyone else talks about him all the time, so it's nice to, like, not lead off with yeah, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, it, it is nice not to re- lead, lead off with him. And I'm, I mean, the thing that I'm happy about is that it's over, that he made his decision yeah. because now I don't have to, you know, I mean, I, I stopped watching some of these morning shows, like, get up and you know whatever other show it was first things were like I, I started just like not even turning my tv on because i didn't want to hear about rogers i was just like oh i'd rather just listen to a podcast where i can pick what i yeah. want to listen to um but yeah i mean him staying in green bay it's not really what i expected um i i if i was going to predict it i i kind of thought he was going to go to denver to be honest with you but he does stay in green bay it seems like over this past year Things have changed despite them falling short once again uh, in the uh, NFC Divisional round it was this year. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Green Bay on paper, I mean, to me, they're the best team in the NFC. Like, the AFC is loaded. They're, they're a stacked conference. The NFC is much weaker. The Rams, you know, coming off their Super Bowl, they couldn't, you know, they obviously a lot of these guys are older. Some of them retired. Von Miller is now with the Bills. Um so, I mean, on paper, the Packers and, and, you know, the Bucks, you know, maybe the Bucks will have a chance, but, you know, they have to get, I don't know, they have some issues with their secondary, some issues with the offensive line, a little concern. Yes, Brady's coming back, but we'll see. But the, on paper, the Packers are the best team in the NFC. So with Rodgers coming back, he'll have another shot um, to get a second Super Bowl, which, you know, he has fallen short of now for a lot of years in a row now. Um We'll see if this year can be the year for him. I don't know. But, you know, it's interesting. They don't have Devontae Adams back, uh, which is certainly going to hurt. So you can argue that actually maybe the Packers shouldn't be the favorites. But who 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 would you say if you don't see the Packers? Who would be the favorites? I don't know. San Francisco? Like, who who's their quarterback, right? So, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't have a whole lot more to say. Like, it's it, – Rodgers is a guy that's hard to predict. Uh, I didn't know what he was going to make. I didn't know what decision he was going to make. I thought it was going to be Denver, but it was just me guessing. I was wrong. And that's really it. Like, we'll see how he plays. We'll see if he can finally get back to the Super Bowl. That's, that's really all I have to say about it, to be honest. Yeah, and it's one of those things where, yes, I'm glad that he got his whole contract thing situated because I was tired of hearing about it, but that is not the end of the narrative of Aaron Rodgers versus the Packers. I promise you that things are not perfect in that relationship. Yes, they got a big hurdle out of the way, right? They got that contract issue out of the way. Um but it probably doesn't help that, like, two days later, they trade their best wide receiver. And, yes, I would imagine Aaron Rodgers was aware of that being a possibility when he signed his contract. But 
this is not a perfect relationship between the two sides, between Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, and it's 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 far from perfect. It's far from being resolved. Um, just because he signed this four-year contract worth a lot of money, I still think you're going to hear Trevor as much as you don't like it. I still think there's going to be narratives every day about Aaron Rodgers. Is he happy? Who is he going to try to get at to replace Devontae oh, Adams? No. All right, what are the Packers going to do to keep this guy happy for the next four years or however long he chooses to stay in, in Green Bay? Okay, so I agree with you. I'm tired of the Aaron Rodgers stuff, and I'm glad that we got the uh, the contract stuff situated. He's a weird guy. He's an unpredictable guy. Um, but it is we are far from from the end of of Aaron Rodgers versus the Packers in that narrative. Um, but I agree with you. I think if we're just looking on the field, we're we're getting rid of all that other garbage off the field stuff. I mean, the Packers are still a good team. Yeah, they lost the best receiver in the NFL. That hurts. That's not good. But you still have one of the best quarterbacks of all time in Aaron Rodgers on your team. All right, he can throw to anyone. Yeah, you got to be open. But even if you're not that open, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers can make sure you get the ball. Um, they should be okay. They should still be a good team. Uh, Matt Lafleur is a great coach. They still have a fantastic coach. They have a good coaching staff in general, um, and they still have plenty of talent to to do well in the NFC again. An NFC that, if you're comparing NFC versus AFC, is nowhere near what the AFC is in terms of of talent at the quarterback position. Um, so yeah, I agree with you, Trevor. I'm, I'm tired of hearing about this Aaron Rodgers stuff. I'm over it. Um, Trevor, is there anything else in terms of NFL free agency you would like to get to? I know there was a lot. We spent a lot um, talking about it on this podcast, but is there anything else you want to cover before we wrap things up here? I mean, I think we hit all the biggest stories. I mean, we're not, we did. we're certainly yeah. not done talking about free agency. I know we'll talk about no, it again next week. Um, so yes. I, I think, I think we covered, you know, the big, yeah. the biggest stories. Absolutely. It, it's far from over. And I promise you when Brandon gets back, when he gets back, if he ever gets back on this <laughs> podcast, he will have a lot to say. We didn't even touch on the Ravens in this podcast, other than I mentioned Lamar Jackson's age. And maybe that was by design. I'm not even going to worry about it. Okay. If Brandon wants to talk about the Ravens, then maybe he should show up to one of our podcasts every once in yeah. a while. All right. <laughs> That's just a joke. I'm yeah, just kidding. Brandon. I think he's I'm supposed to be, at, I think I'm he's getting home later tonight. He told us. So I, yeah. I'm not mad at you, Brandon. Um, but again, I don't believe that you're going to listen. So if you if you listened all the way an hour and 10 minutes into this podcast, you let me know because I'd be very impressed. Um, but we will continue to talk about NFL free agency as it unfolds in these these months as the, as the new league year has just newly started. Um, but I think we can wrap up there. It was a long one. There was a lot to talk about. These last, this last month in sports has been absolutely insane. So I have no issue going long because we had a lot to cover. I wanted to make sure that we covered as much as we possibly could. All right. But – I think with that being said, again, thank you all so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. I'm not just saying that. I want to make sure I sound genuine when I say that. We really do appreciate it. Um, how's your how your brackets going? Let us know. We'd love we'd love to see your comments. Give us a rating, of course, anywhere that you can find this podcast, which is pretty much on any podcast platform. We'd be happy to hear what comments you have about what your opinions are on the tournament or what your opinions are on, on uh, NFL free agency. What do you think about Deshaun Watson going to the Browns? Let us know. We'd love to to hear about it. Um, but I think that covers everything. I think I got through everything that Brandon usually says. So with that being said, thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Go Falcons.